I want to talk about this uh, sweetheart deal that I think will leave a bad taste in a lot of mouths, if in fact it becomes a deal. But this has to do with a memo found by uh, Ben Spur over at the uh, Toronto Star, which reveals... Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment uh, will not be on the hook for costs associated to help host the World Cup games. And this was a, a letter of intent dated February 10th. So the um, the promise on uh, paper says that uh, the city will pick up all the costs or someone, I think the taxpayers, will pick up all the costs to make uh, MLSE whole for any of the stuff that they do, whether that's a staging, a competition, moving uh, football teams or soccer teams, whatever, they'll be made uh, whole apparently sky's the limit on this thing. Um, the letter's not a contract, but I think you know when you hear about this kind of deal, and clearly it was done when John Tory was the mayor. You come to a few things like you know if we can't fill potholes in the streets of the city, how is it that we're making a deal to make a very very wealthy conglomerate whole on um, on, on on games on the FIFA? I don't care how popular. I get how popular it is. I get it. But again, I think a lot of people will look at this and say, where are the priorities? I want to bring Michael uh, Narain into this conversation. He is an associate professor of sports management over at Brock University. Joining us now. Good to have you. Oh, thanks so much for having me. All right. When you saw this headline, you thought what? Uh, well, I, I, you know, I, I'm conflicted, right? For, for many of the reasons you just brought up, right? Because on one hand, it's, you know, and I'm very sports biased, clearly. I'm a sport management professor at Brock, but at the same time, there are other priorities. And, and you know, so it, it, they're not mutually exclusive. This idea that, uh, you know, MLSC is a well-oiled machine. They're mm. the premier sport and entertainment organization in this country, and they're the primary tenants of BMO Field. They know what they're doing. They've got the commercial relationships. They will easily be able to scale up and synergize. Whereas, this, like, no offense to the forestry parks and, and rec department at the city, they don't have the capacity, whether it's knowledge, financial, or otherwise, to attract uh, commercial sponsors um, and then to activate those sponsors. So, you know, on one hand, that's that's over there. But on the other hand, it, it's still also OK to be critical of deals like this, because, you know, as it does say in the memo and the letter of intent that, you know, MLSC will also be billing the city for activation and servicing costs. Well, mm -hmm. to activate and service those relationships, MLSC will be using its current existing workforce, of which it has an amazing global partnerships mm -hmm. team. I have many of my current students, past students, current colleagues who are a part of MLSE. And again, they're a well-oiled machine, but it's the two are not mutually exclusive that we can't also criticize um, or at least be critical of a situation where it looks like there is a bit of double dipping. And that's why it is, you know, for lack of a better term, characterizes a bit of a sweetheart deal is because to your point, they're going to be made, MLSE will be made whole and they can build the city. I mean, the city will yeah. be able to share some of the net profit, but fundamentally, what is determined as net profits will be up to MLSE at the end of the day. Yeah, and look, they're a private company. They're going to do what they can for their own bottom line, but it is then up to the city or whoever's running it to fight on behalf of the taxpayers because, you know, I'm one who is of uh, bread, not circuses. Like in the Olympics, everyone wants it, but unless you can actually be, make it successful and we actually see success and we don't see it often, I think Vancouver can be called a success, Calgary could be called success, but a lot of times they're money losers. Just look to Russia. But again, um, you know, these things are kind of made on a guess and a prediction, but I just don't think um, when we don't get the transparency that this could even be an option on the table up front is when people get angry. It's like, we love FIFA. Everyone's excited about it. Obviously, we want the tourism dollars for it. But if ultimately, like the Pan Am Games, we're going to end up spending hundreds of millions of dollars 
you know, to put on a good show, but generally it's not necessarily good for the everyday person's life. It, it's not as, I don't see how we see this as an investment. No, and that's fair. So, so there, there's a couple things there. One of the things that we should circle back to in, in a complete bit of irony is that back in 2005, two city councillors were adamantly opposed to the building of BMO Field. And that was yeah. Councillor Giorgio Mammoliti and Rob Ford. And so we don't even have this conversation yeah. if the thing is not built in the first place. So it's a bit of if you build it, will they come? And so for the fact that now Toronto is being seen as, you know, one of the viable options for the FIFA Men's World Cup here in 26. I mean, again, we don't have this conversation. Now, at the same time, you know, yeah, there are tourism dollars that will be injected in. Whether or not the economic impact will be net positive, it's, it's very clear that it's, it's, well, in my estimation, that it won't be a net positive. But if we looked at sport in particular from a purely economic argument, then the whole house of cards falls apart because there are other investments to make. And so, yes, do we need, uh, to your point, Alex, like, mm-hmm. did, we, did, did we need the 2015 Pan Am and Para Pan Am Games to build a beautiful swimming facility in Scarborough? No, we could have built that on our own. But at the same time, do I trust the city coffers to go out and, you know, procure sponsorships from yeah. TikTok and the dairy farmers of Ontario? And the answer is no. I mean, they, they are not in the business of doing that. So, I know, you know, in our in our current society right now, the big thing is, OK, outsourcing and what that looks like, whether it's the federal government, provincial government, municipal governments, you know, outsourcing is both bad and good at the same yeah. time. And again, they're not mutually exclusive activities. We can certainly look at this and go, OK, outsourcing is good because we don't have the requisite knowledge or the, the network to build, make this thing happen. But at the same time, should we have caps on some of these costs? Should we have more nuanced understandings of what's taking place here rather than just giving carte blanche to a a corporation granted a corporation that knows what they're doing but to a a corporate entity that is you know essentially going to be double dipping on this one well yeah and some will say well look this is just the cost of doing business okay then i want to see the business case because ultimately i mean that if, if you're transparent about these kinds of things up front um, Michael, generally speaking, you'll get a bit more, um, you know, public uh, will to go along with it. But it's always that we find out, you know, in a pile of notes, oh, yeah, by the way, this happened. And then it's like, OK, does this speak to was John Tory in some kind of conflict? You know, did he remove himself from this? Like there's going to be all sorts of questions that uh, that come up. And it didn't go to city council before, but it will, I guess, at some point. And I guess the city manager who went out and came up with this deal is going to have to be able to explain how, how you know, this is a a good case to do business. Uh, I, I agreed. And, and, you know, I, I suspect that the city manager will be espousing many of the things that I've said yeah. today and, and that you've been, uh, you and many other commentators have been saying as well, which is, you know, for the fact that we don't have this requisite knowledge and this is the cost of doing business. Now, one of the things I, I do want to say before we leave today is, mm. again, uh, to go back to one of my previous arguments, it's if we look at sport purely financial as a financial obligation, going what's going in direct and what's coming out uh, direct or indirect, it's a loss leader. Sport is not going to make you like over time sport as an investment makes money, but primarily if if we're looking at this in a short term time horizon, it's not going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread. But if we, again, to go back to the bread and circuses argument, the idea here is there's other returns that aren't just return on the investment. It's there's a return on the objective. There's a return on the experience. And what we know from some of the events that you've talked about, like Vancouver, is that there is a demonstration effect when people see great athletic competition that they will want to aspire to be like that. And sport is, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on your viewpoint, seen as one of the markers of a positive, yeah. progressive society. So what, you know, whether it's Russia trying to trying to sport wash their human rights violations, China or anyone else for that matter, 
sport is seen as, you know, again, it's, it's pedestrian in the grand scheme of things, but it, overall, it's one of the markers of a, of, a, of a progressing society. So the return on the objective here for the city of Toronto and for the region could be enormous, but that's not something that you can quantify. And this is why sport yeah. is very fickle, Alex, is because it is filled with the intangibles that are not dollars and cents. And so that's where there can be complications because at the end of the day, if we're looking at the dollars and cents on the balance sheet, it's, it probably doesn't look great. But if we look at the long-term investment holistically, yeah, you know, sport is a decent investment to make. Yeah. Well, maybe they could, um, MLSC could turn around and build like a community center. Like to me, it's like you build in something in the deal, like, okay, but MLSC, if you're going to make this money, build a community center in somewhere that's lower income or something. Like Downs, like Downs. Something so the local community is left with something that says, you know what? I didn't go to the game, but I got this awesome community center where I can play basketball or swim or what, something. There's got to be something in it. I completely agree yeah. with you, and I know we're short on time, but, but Downsview is in the yeah. letter of intent as well. And again, it goes back to, do we need the FIFA Men's World Cup to renovate Downsview's facilities to make them world class? Not necessarily, but it's going to be one of the knock-on effects, one of the legacies of this event is that Downsview's facilities will be upgraded, not just for MLSE's Toronto FC Academy and, and the training facility, but perhaps there's an opportunity here to connect with some of those northern, northern Torontoans yeah. uh, uh, Torontonians, I should say, and, and, and to really build that, that community ecosystem. So, yeah, there could be some good that comes out of this. And so we can't just look at this as ROI. It's got to be ROO and some of the other returns on our, uh, on our experience here. Yeah, it requires some outside-the-box thinking. Absolutely. But, but again, dollars and cents, I, I will completely agree with many of the other sports economists, and there's been many economic impact assessments uh, in sport where it's been clearly shown that you know, building a brand new billion dollar facility is not going to get you what you want. And again, you know, MLSC doing the renovations to BMO Field, uh, BMO Field is owned and operated by the city and you know, just ostensibly the, the major tenants are MLSC. You know, I, could we have these renovations without the Men's World Cup? Perhaps, but you know, sometimes you need a, a big story in order to get that cash injection. So, Michael Naren is, uh, is over at Brock University. He knows a whole lot about this. 